Utah and Oregon State face off this Friday. So can Nate Johnson lead Utah to a victory? What are the keys in the matchup for the Utes to try to get a win? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you may get your podcasts. If this is your first time listening to our show, make sure you guys like and subscribe. We'd love to interact with you guys in the comments and on social media. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. You can make every moment more right now because new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we're going to be previewing the matchup between two top 20 teams, the Utah Utes and the Oregon State Beavers. And in order to help us do that, it's Spencer McLaughlin of Locked On Pac-12. And, you know, when starting off with these these kind of crossover-like episodes, unfortunately, we don't have a, a Locked On Oregon State, but we always appreciate you stepping in for us, Spencer. And with this game, I think the biggest storylines, which is where you always got to start in these matchups to me, is can Utah win with Nate Johnson in Corvallis? And I think the answer to that question is yes, they can win. This is a team that's proven they can beat difficult teams. The problem is, and this is where it's going to be very difficult, is with Nate, especially if you look at what Utah did last year, and not even just the last time they made it out to Corvallis, that was with Cam and this team operating pretty strong. They lost Utah's three biggest road games last year, Oregon, UCLA, and then when they had to face off against Florida. They lost all three of those. So the question now becomes, can this team, who I do think the defense is better this year, but obviously the offense is not better than what we saw last year, and they are a little bit struggled. They were struggling last week a little bit. I think Andy Ludwig has to open up the offense more. Nate does have to play better, but and that's not going to be easy to do on one of the toughest road environments in the Pac-12. So Utah can win with Nate Johnson, but doing so is going to be very challenging, Spencer. You, you also have to factor in that Oregon State is in what they'd call wounded animal mode because their Pac-12 championship hopes are resting on this game. They, they have to win this game. You cannot start 0-2 in conference play and get to the Pac-12 title game. Oregon State learned that a season ago. They started with losses against USC and Utah, and then they went 6-1 and down the stretch, and that's about as well as things could have gone, right? They needed a fourth-quarter comeback against Oregon. They did lose a close one against Washington. They won the rest of their games, but that's as good as you're going to have in terms of a stretch over seven games in the Pac-12, I think that's even more so the case this year. So seven and two is the baseline minimum for what you need to get into the Pac-12 title game, which is Oregon State's goal this year. And they are sitting in a spot right now where if they lose this game, that that goal goes out the window. Uh, it, it, it absolutely goes out the window because they still have to play UCLA, who's solid, though they have them at home. They still have to play Washington. They still have to play Oregon. They still have to go at Arizona, which I don't think is a particularly easy football game, though I, I don't think it's uh, certainly not up to the challenge of the other ones. But missing USC, sure, that's uh, an advantage. But, I mean, o Oregon State is going to be playing with their hair on fire. The crowd is going to be on fire. I, I think their defense is going to be really motivated to have a good game. And, you know, Nate Johnson at the helm of this offense just hasn't shown me anything mm -hmm. to indicate that he's capable of putting up a lot of points. So it'll come down to the huge defense. But is that something Utah can win with? Yeah, of course. We've seen it for four weeks in a row now. Their defense has been dominant. Not good. It has been dominant. So I, I think they 
are are capable of getting a turnover or two uh, against DJ Uyunglele, but you got to be able to pressure him. And um, I, I I think Utah, I think that's kind of the formula if they're going to win this game is they have to be able to make DJU the worst version of himself. But if DJU is at all comfortable or succeeding, then I don't think Utah's got the offense to keep up. And that's the tough part about this matchup is I do think that at times Utah will stop Oregon State. But I do think DJU and this offense are good enough where they are going to move the ball. I just I can't see them only scoring seven points like UCLA did in Utah, especially in their house on the road. And it is funny. You just kind of laid out how much this is a must win for Oregon State. That's literally what my notes say. Oregon State needs this more than Utah. It's word for word what it says because we, you and I were both high on this team. And it's crazy to think two weeks into the season. Yes, and I don't think either one of us predicted them to make the Pac-12 championship game. But I think we both thought they could potentially be in it down the down the line later in the season. And Oregon State, yeah, absolutely. With two conference losses this they have a fav- They have a super favorable schedule, missing USC mm-hmm. and getting all of UCLA, Washington, and Utah at home. Like, it's you know, broken that way for them. But starting with that loss in in the fashion in which it happened against Washington State, that is a disappointing start for the Bees. It is very tough, and it's also was also just a tough matchup for them because we see how good Washington State is right yeah, now. Yeah, it's a good so football team. On all cylinders is just the Pac-12, obviously a very potent conference right now, the tops in college football. And I'm not just saying that because the host of Locked On Pac-12 is joining me at the moment. But, yeah, this is a really good team. This is not the Oregon State team that Utah played last year. For any of you listening, like, oh, their quarterback threw three interceptions. This was the Clark Phillips game last year. But it was like, but yeah, like they would move the ball a little bit with their running game, and then their quarterback gave it away. We just saw an Oregon State team. They – if. I don't know. I'm not going to take a shot at him, but if their same, their quarterback situation was what it was last year. And that game played out in a similar fashion last week. That's a blowout. Washington state wins. But then you see in the second half, DJU starts to make those plays that makes him one of the still 20 to 15 best quarterbacks in college football. In my opinion, where you see, he can get it done with his legs and his arm. I think this is a very complete team. I think it's a very good team, regardless of if Utah were to somehow pull off the upset in this one. I think they are still one of the top 20 teams in college football. And I think by the end of the year, they'll work their way back up into that. Upset is an interesting term because Oregon state is favored in the game, but Utah is the much higher ranked team. Um, so I think that kind of depends on, on your perspective there, but I, I would definitely, I, I don't know if I'd call it an upset. Um, that implies that one team is considerably favored over the other. And I think even with Nate Johnson, it shouldn't be a considerable amount of, Hey, this team is favored over, over this one. Cause I think these are both good football teams. I think that's a really good point. And yeah, I guess I just worry because of how good Oregon state is at home. You, you said Oregon state, they, they're go are they are they for sure favorites in this one yeah they yeah. opened it at, at minus three i'll check with our uh our good friends over at FanDuel. but yes we're going to be um, talking about it in one second but yeah you're right it is the situation where rankings wise it wouldn't be an upset i just consider because of the favorite aspect and i just because of what we've seen out of this offense a little bit who i think has the potential to get better and have a better showing it's just hard to do it in one of the toughest road environments in the pac-12 but yeah, this is Oregon State team we've been talking about the last two days on Locked On Utes. Whether you talk about the quarterback situations must much improved, they still run the ball. Very These are well. minus three and a half. Minus three and a half. Okay, yeah, that's very similar to what I believe it was that Utah started as a favorite over uh, over UCLA this last week until that line kind of continued to climb and climb and climb, but they got to six and four and all of that. But um, yeah, either way, this is going to be. Uh, really good matchup between these two programs. I, I think that Oregon State's offense, as I mentioned, I just think it's it's much more complete than it was a year ago. DJU, yes, he turned it over once last week, had pressure in his face. His team was down 21 to 7. He felt the need to make a play. That's where potentially if Utah were to get up a little bit, 
if that was how the game played out, maybe then you see DJ, you maybe make a reckless mistake like that. But I do think he's playing pretty good football overall right now. I think this Beavs team's playing good football overall. And the one matchup that we're going to talk about in a second is I do feel like you, you saw last week Cam Ward threw for over 400 yards, like made plays on the his receivers, did a good job finding his receivers. They were able to get open on the outside, and he was able to hit them. That's something that Utah is going to have a chance to do. The question is, can Nate Johnson do it, and can the receivers create that separation? We're going to be talking about that in one moment. But first, we want to talk to you guys about our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including Spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. And we're going to predict this matchup a little bit uh, later, but like who's going to win and all that. But I will say, I, you just listed the line, Spencer. I, I like Utah covering this one. I think they are going to keep it close still, even as good as I think this Oregon State team is. How do you see the line? I think the line is appropriately set. Um, I think that it opened earlier this week at Oregon State minus two and a half. If I were betting, I would have liked to get on that at less than a field goal, given Utah's defensive propensity. But I, I'm, I'll, I'll save my full prediction for later in the show. I am leaning heavily towards the bees here. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes a lot of sense as we're going to continue to discuss right now. Because when you talk about what is the keys to victory for Utah, I do think it's the Utes passing game getting going against the Beavers defensive backs. I think that... The Utah offensive line has been up and down so far this season. I think that there will be plays where, yes, pressure will break in, but I also think there's plays that are going to be able to give Nate Johnson the time he needs. So then the question is, if Nate has provided the time in those situations, can he make the throws? At times against UCLA, he was able to do that. And also the biggest thing for Utah, and I've been talking about this a lot this week, you have to play to win. There was way too many. In some ways, the worst thing that could have happened to Utah offensively was them getting that pick six early on because then it turned into, okay, well, our defense is just destroy them right now. So as long as we don't give the game away, we'll be fine. So then it just, the play calling was extremely conservative with all of the runs that were constantly called. And Nate had one early fumble and then it felt like they were just scared to let him do anything for a long time. You're going to have to open it up more and allow Nate to, to cook for lack of a better word in Oregon state, if he's able to do so, and you're going to live and die a little bit by his performance. Nate Johnson doesn't have to put the team on his back in this game, but he has to play very well. He probably, he has to have his best game as a starting quarterback. I know he played well against Weber State, but this is a totally different level facing off against Oregon State. Nate Johnson has to really shine. And I think if given the time, I think there's there's he will be able to make some of the throws as he did show those signs a couple in a couple of plays last week against UCLA. But the question is, can he do it consistently enough, not just a couple times throughout the game, but consistently enough to beat Oregon State? I think he can make those throws. But based on what you've seen from Nate Johnson and this Oregon State defense so far, how do you feel like the Utes offense is going to fare? I, I think the opportunity to have success through the air is clearly available against this Oregon State defense. This is not the same unit as the one that we saw last year. They lost a couple of players, and they still have a couple of, of guys on the back end who were good, but it's clearly not the same because nobody was going, not even Cam Ward, not even you know, Bo Nix, not even Michael Penix were, was going for 400 yards with Five with six incompletions total against this Oregon State secondary. Now, the Wazoo receivers made some outstanding catches in 50-50 situations. Josh Kelly made two absurd, mm -hmm. absurd, one in particular, one for a touchdown, but he made one-handed grabs like it was nothing. And I don't know if Utah's got guys who can make that sort of play, but those were not that, that was not the bulk of, of Washington State's passing attack. 
Cam Ward finished the game with five total touchdowns, six incompletions. They did have a, a strip sack and fumble recovery, but other than that, they didn't turn him over, and he threw the ball down the field. He took what the defense gave him. I mean, he had everything. He also, here's the other thing, JT, and this is, I think, an optimistic thing for Utah fans. Cam Ward was under no semblance of pressure in that game. There was, he had all day. I mean, one of the, the touchdown he threw before the end of the half, he probably danced around in the pocket, moved, and and, I mean, went wherever he wanted to, literally for eight to 10 seconds. I, I mean, it was an eternity. He looked, he looked. He looked, pressure came, he stepped up to the side, and he knew he was so comfortable back there. He knew that there wasn't a chance that someone was about to come and hit him. So I, I, I just look at the Utah offensive line and say, okay, I know that, that unit is good, and they are playing a much weaker defensive front against Oregon State than they mm-hmm. played against UCLA last week. And if they hold up, like Nate Johnson's going to have time to throw the football. It's a matter of whether or not he can execute at, at a level similar to Cam Ward last week. I don't think he's even close to the player that Cam Ward is, but I, I, I do think that he will have the opportunity to throw unless Trent Bray dials up a, a lot of pressure and trusts his guys to play one-on-one, but they also got burned a lot last week. And Nate is the kind of guy, too, when he gets pressured, he's not really looking to extend time in the pocket. He's going to take off at a row. That's how Utah really, – their offense got going early when they had that missed field goal later in the drive was Nate had two huge scrambles for a big game. And you know that Oregon State's going to be dialed in on that, too, and realize that they're not going to want to let Nate scramble on those third downs. So I'm sure they'll be looking to spy him and uh, and keep him in the pocket. Flipping it over to the other side of the ball, I'm really excited for this matchup because, like I said, I do think this Oregon State offense is very complete. I think they can do a lot of things really well. And Utah has – one of the best defenses in college football right now. I do. This should be the first game they're probably going to give up multiple touchdowns if they could somehow hold them under fourteen. That'd points be pretty against. remarkable. That would, yeah, that would be incredible, especially just on in this level of a road environment. And I know all they did against Baylor, Sawyer Robertson, <laughs> DJ Uyunglele are not even like in the same like planet as a quarterback overall. And I do think that DJ will have have some moments to make some good plays. I think the key for Utah in this one is I do think it's going to be a good battle in the front seven. I think sometimes Oregon State will run for a first down, and I think there will be moments where Utah gets tackles for loss. I think the key will be, because the Utah pass rush looked really good last week against that UCLA, UCLA offensive line, and Oregon State, I, I think they will be able to protect DJU at times, and other times Utah is going to break in. The question for me is going to be, throughout the couple past weeks, we've seen moments and times where Utah gets beat deep or something happens, and the quarterbacks don't always connect on it. We've seen receivers drop passes, too. This will be the best quarterback-receiver combination, I feel like, that Utah has played so far this season. Because even though I like the Bruins receivers, Dante Moore was pretty rattled early on in this game since he, he threw a pick six the very first play of the game in that one. So I'm really curious to see how the Utah defensive backs hang in against Oregon State. I do think they'll get beat a couple times over the top, but I also think they'll have a chance to make some plays. If DJU, if, once again, if this game gets down, I think we could see DJU try to take some chances, and that's where he could get the beeves in trouble. Yeah, I, I think that making DJU uncomfortable as Washington State did is the formula. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, on the interception he threw, he was under pressure, and you it know, we, he he looked like Clemson's DJU. He mm-hmm. he he really did, and that is not a good thing for Oregon State fans. But that's the reality. Is you know, he missed a wide open Damian Martinez on fourth and one uh, when when Oregon State went for it. I think on on their own side of the fifty, like. They went a little play-action rollout, and Damian Martinez is there, and DJU throws it, you know, three yards over his head, never even gives him a chance. And his interception, you know, he still showed glimpses. He completed a couple of deep shots, had some really good, strong throws. But, 
I mean, he completed 50% of his passes for under 200 yards, a touchdown and interception. Uh, one, one thing for Utah fans to watch for in this game is the running ability of DJ Uyunglele mm-hmm. because in short yardage situations, you know, they don't have Jack Coletto anymore, but DJU is just serving as that kind of wildcat guy, but he's, of course, the starting quarterback. They used that quarterback run very effectively last week. I expect to see that again, but I, I'm curious to see for Jonathan Smith and Oregon State and offensive coordinator Brian Lindgren, what do they do with DJ after that performance? Do they lean more heavily into the run? Do they do less straight drop back passing and more play action and try to settle him in, ask him to do even less than they did last week? I mean, he was, I think it was 17 of 34 throwing the football. I, I, I thought before the year, the ideal world for DJU was come in and be a guy who completes or who attempts 20 to 25 passes, goes for 220 to 250 yards, a couple touchdowns and, you know, one or fewer interceptions. But against Washington State, they got behind and then they had to throw the football. And then DJ was asked to do what he was kind of asked to do at Clemson, which is, hey, we need you to carry us down the field. And we know he can't do that consistently. Mm-hmm. He can do it in time. At times, he can't do it all the time. We, we, we saw that over and over again. It's why he got benched by, by Dabo Sweeney and then ended up hitting the portal. So uh, I, I think if you're Utah, you want to be in a situation where Oregon State feels they have to go straight drop back passing. That is not what their offense is meant to do. They have two excellent running backs in Damian Martinez and Deshaun Fenwick, and they want to run the football behind a really good offensive line. But if if, if Utah brings an extra player down into the box and just forces them to throw the football, I, I think that favors the Utes because DJ is not in a place right now where he's coming off a good game. Really, each of the last two games, he's been pretty bad. He wasn't good against San Diego State either, and and then it got worse for the Bees when they played a better team in, in Washington State. So I think defensively, that's kind of where they're at, is can you make DJU be the center point of the offense, and can you make him uncomfortable when that happens? And Spencer, do you know who currently leads the nation in sacks right now? The Utah Utes. I don't know overall if we do, but even like, do you know individually who also does? Uh, I forget the guy's name. I know Jonah it's someone Ellis, on the... Five and a half sacks on the season. Utah, I mean, they had seven last week, so Utah very well could lead the nation in sacks overall. Yeah, probably. and I mean, Oregon State's offensive line will have their hands full with him, but mm-hmm. that Beavs front front five, they're a really good unit. Really, really good unit. Yeah, Utah will just look to do the same thing that Washington State did at times, come up with creative blitzes that we know Morgan Scali can do. Got really good blitzing linebackers and safeties too. And Utah did some fun things last week, moving one of their corners over back to safety and Teo Johnson, who's a converted receiver actually from a couple of years ago. And that allows Sione Vaki and Cole Bishop, one of those two to play in the box where they are incredibly effective. So it's a lot of great matchups to look forward to in this game. And in one moment, we're going to predict how we think it's going to play out and if the Utah Utes are going to move to five and no, or if they're going to become four and one and suffer their first loss of the season and impact 12 play but before we do discuss that i want to talk to you guys about an exciting thing we have coming up on the locked on college network college football season and college football kickoff live each friday is here locked on will go live 11 a.m to 1 p.m eastern on every locked on college youtube channel college football kickoff live will cover the biggest playoff implications storylines matchups and then go in depth like only locked on can delivering insight and analysis from our stable of locked on college hosts including weekly appearances from one of the people currently on this podcast at the moment so make sure you guys find locked on college football kickoff live every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time or on any Locked On College YouTube channel, including this one or Spencer's as well. You won't want to miss it. All right, Spencer, to close this one out, we're looking at game predictions now for how we think this one is going to play out. 
And I do think this is going to be a good game. I think, like you said, Oregon State's going to want to establish the run, but I do think DJU is capable of making some plays as he did late in that game against Washington State to help that game get a little closer. But And as I look at this one, oh, it's so tough, Spencer. But going into the season, I predicted this to be one of Utah's losses. And as much as I want to pick Utah to win this game, with the way this offense looked last week, whether you're talking about the ups and downs of the offensive line, the play calling of Andy Ludwig at times, and Nate Johnson playing up and down too. I think Corvallis is really tough to win. We, we talked about it too. There's more at stake for Oregon State. Like for Utah being 4-0 without Cam Rising is an incredible win with wins against teams like Florida, UCLA, and Baylor especially. And this feels like one where Utah is probably going to come up short a little bit. As much as I want to pick the Utes to win in this one, I just think that there's going to be times where Utah might fall behind a little bit, and I'm worried about Nate Johnson maybe turning it over, getting sacked. He's had a little bit of a fumbling issue so far. So I, I like Utah to keep it close, but I think in the end, one or two turnovers in this game will really hurt the Utes offensively. And I'm going to take Oregon State to win it. I'm going to go 21 to I'm going to go 21 20. I think it's going to come down to something late, and I think DJU is actually going to make a play or two. I am surprised at some level at your faith in the Utes offense against this Oregon State defense, given what I mean, you I just have. said they returned the ball over a couple times, but <laughs> no, I know. Um, I think 20 points is too many. I think this is okay. a low scoring game mm-hmm. and I think this is a really low scoring game because of the personnel in play. The factor I talked about was DJU and also the fact that both teams are really going to be trying to run the football for different reasons. And I, I think Oregon State is better in that respect. I think the Bees are going are going to win here. I think the final score is going to be Oregon State 21 and Utah 16. I don't think you have a lot of, and by the way, just as a random tidbit, I think Oregon State has uh, two touchdowns and two field goals, but they go for two on one of the touchdowns. Um, just a suspicion, Jonathan Smith Smith has been known to do it from time to time. But all the factors that I talked about at the beginning of this show lead me to think that Oregon State is going to be supremely motivated. Not that Utah isn't, right? Utah's goals are right in front of them. This is a perfect start for the Utes. That offense with Nate Johnston at the helm is just not going to be enough. You told me Cam Rising plays. I, I might take the Utes to win outright. But with Oregon State being at home, where they've been very good, I don't think they're a bad team. I think they had a down week against a good team on the road against Washington State. And I think that the Beavs have a great coaching staff. I think they're going to be able to run the football because they have a great offensive line. And if you're looking at the quarterback situation, DJU, I take him over Nate Johnson at this point, even though DJU can have his struggles. And we saw that last week. But DJ's at home. Nate is on the road, and he didn't. And Nate Johnson did start at at Baylor. Is that correct? He did not. He just finished the game for Utah. So th- this is the first time he's starting a game on the road. He's going to have to try and settle in early. That crowd is going to be ferocious. I-, I think there are a lot of factors leading to Oregon State here. I think twenty one sixteen is is the final. I think this is a lot of. I think there are plenty of field goals in this football game. Because Utah's got a great defense and because Oregon State's, I think, is going to play better because they will be at home and they'll have the crowd behind them and because you have Nate Johnson at quarterback for, for the Utes. And, you know, Washington State ran the ball fine last week, but not great. And the Cougs are not a great running team, 
But the reason they had success offensively was their ability to throw the football. And that's why I'm kind of fading Utah's offense here is a matchup that would favor Utah a lot more is a team that can stop the can, can stop the air attack better than the ground, the ground game. Mm-hmm. But that's not what you have here in Oregon State. So far, the evidence has been they are better defending the run than they are the pass. So I think you see Trent Bray come out much like Morgan Scally will and Kyle Whittingham with DJU and say, I want you to try and beat us. And if that's the philosophy, I think DJU at home is better than Nate Johnson on the road. So I'll go 21-16 Beavs. I like Nate Johnson. I really do. But even, and like you mentioned, DJU struggled last week. If you were to still compare their, like the top, the top five throws from the two quarterbacks combined, even if just last week, all five of them probably still belong to DJU. That's it's just a different level of quarterback with all the experience there. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, it's just hard to win on the road in college football. I think a lot of Utah fans are those things like Utah picked us to lose. It's it's just so hard. There's going to be miscues. Things are going to happen, and especially offensively. As much as you talk about, you want to clean. Coach Witten them talk about cleaning stuff up on the road at Corvallis is not the place where we see teams have, oh, that was when the offense really clicked and came together. This was USC's lowest scoring game last year is when they traveled to Corvallis. Different defense, like you said, different personnel this coming season, but especially the matchup because in the front seven, the Beavs have the ability to shut down the run, and the question is, can Utah make those plays on the outside? Maybe at times, consistently enough, I'm not sure. So we do actually align. We think Utah might get their first loss as painful as it is for me to say it. But uh, we'll be back on tomorrow's show, too, predicting the individual stats and numbers for some Utah guys. But, Spencer, if people want to know more about this game a little bit and especially about what will be another really fun week in the Pac-12, where should they head over to? Locked on Pac-12 on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast Monday through Friday, all year round, plus reaction shows every Saturday night after uh, all the biggest games have uh, wrapped up. But yeah, it should be another fun weekend in Utah. No surprise playing the headline game in the Pac-12 this week. Yeah, that's on a Friday night, strangely. That's still the part that takes say it to get used to as well. So <laughs> yeah. Friday night college football, it's going to be fun. Spencer, thanks for joining us. Yeah, anytime. All right, that's going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Utes. But as I mentioned, we'll be back with you tomorrow, getting you all primed and ready for the Utes taking on the Beavs.